0: back. We'll be right back. Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with Michelle Florian, formerly French, from the class of 2015, financial analyst and current University of Chicago Booth School of Business MBA candidate. Michelle will share with us how her aptitude in mathematics led her from a small college experience in rural Indiana to the beating heart of tech innovation and business in Silicon Valley. Joining us from the class of 2015 is Michelle Florian, formerly French. Michelle, what do you do?
1: Hi. So I'm a financial analyst. I work at a tech company out in the Bay Area in California called VMware, and I'm also a part-time student uh, taking classes at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business as part of their part-time MBA program.
0: Michelle, if we just kind of walk it back a little bit, um, how did you begin to get a sense that you had an aptitude for math uh, and all that? What, what did you? Uh, how, how when did you first get a sense of that?
1: Yeah, so that definitely started actually in high school. Um, I initially thought I really wanted to be a math teacher. And I think that I was just really influenced by the people in my own life. And that was, you know, the only career path that I could see for myself or someone who liked math a lot um, the way that I did um, th- all through high school. But then what kind of happened is um, I took that aptitude for math, like you said, and realized that there were other applications for it. So that led me down the path to becoming a financial analyst. And um, that's another kind of interesting story how I got there. But um, I definitely think that that discovery happened back in high school. And then I just kind of ran with it from there.
0: So when you left Wego, where did you end up going off to school?
1: So I went to Taylor University. Um, There were actually a few other people in my graduating class who went as well. Um, and that was a a great experience. It's in Indiana, in kind of the rural parts, um, a couple hours away from the biggest city, so it was um, a good experience because all of the community that I needed was all on campus. Tell me about the coursework that you
0: had while you were there.
1: Yeah, so uh, my major was basically mathematics and secondary education, and that was the major I chose to become a high school math teacher after graduation. So I took all the classes that would be needed for a math major requirement. And then on top of that, took education courses. So it was a full load. I didn't really have time for, for, I guess, like the the semesters with few classes. I was always in a a packed semester and I really enjoyed the math classes. We went all the way through calculus three and advanced calculus. I know in high school, that was like uh, the peak, I guess, that I could think of was like, whoa, once you take calculus, what is there after that? But um, there's a lot more to learn what I discovered in college.
0: What is even a a question of calculus three even look like is that like is that something where you have to turn the paper sideways and then it just goes on like walk me through like i mean obviously i wouldn't understand what that is but like typically how long does it take to solve like one of those questions yeah
1: um okay it's been a while but i know (laughs) in calculus two you get as far as uh two dimensions and then calculus three you're adding a third axis the z axis and um so you really have to be able to kind of visualize something that you can't even draw on paper um, so that was interesting like if you take the integral of a two-dimensional shape that's one thing but then once it becomes a 3d shape it it adds a whole extra layer and I couldn't do that math right now but that was the kind of idea behind calc 3 was there
0: like a, was there a math beyond that that was just like almost magic where it was like nope that's a realm i I can't even see
1: uh yeah i think for me that class was abstract algebra um and the name kind of gives it away it's very much pure mathematics where um it's all about proofs and uh some of the concepts are so out there and you can't really apply it to anything you've seen in your actual real life experiences That you really have to literally think abstractly about it. So, that class was one that I don't think I understood, but got through it.
0: Now, were you what I I seem to think that you may have been a student athlete there as well? Mm -hmm. Was that you did you were a runner?
1: Yes. Yeah. So, um, I did cross country and track all through college.
0: What were some of the cool places that you uh, were able to travel to during your uh, competitions?
1: Yeah. So um, every season when the team qualified for nationals, um, we would go somewhere cool. So one year we went to North Carolina. Another year we went to the West Coast. And that was actually the first time I'd been to the West Coast. And it was in Oregon um, near Portland. So that was another cool place. And then the track nationals was always in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And it was right at the end of the, the school year. So it was like perfect summertime, um, location, although it wasn't always the best location for running the long distance races.
0: It was just like the heat and humidity at that time yeah. of year was probably over, overbearing, I would imagine. Yeah. So how are you able to find a, a balance to be a, a student athlete at the same time? Cause you're training and you're traveling and uh, it, that must've been a really uh, tricky balance.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, a lot of it was about, finding the right community to support you and encourage you and also um, go through it together. I think the camaraderie of that definitely helped and was super motivating. Um, I don't think that I could have gotten through so much time of um, just running in general if I didn't have a team to run with. And then um, the way that we did a lot of our math coursework at Taylor University in particular was getting in groups and then doing group homework. So that was another place where I, um, I feel like I lived in the science building. Sometimes it was like go to practice. And then after practice, the rest of my night was almost spent just in the science building with other math majors and working through the tough problems together. So I think that was what really got me through it. Um, it would have been a totally different experience on my own.
0: That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I, I have to ask a uh, a question for uh, my son. He runs uh, cross country. He's a, going to be a. Well, he's a sophomore now. He's he's going to be a junior. What's nice. the What's the next thing that he needs to do to take his running to like the next level? What's the best? Mm-hmm. Is it diet? Is it more mileage? Uh, I gotta ask for him because you, yeah. you you ran an elite level. I always like trying to get get an edge for him.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's a combination of like some of those things you mentioned and when i was at my best um as a runner i was super disciplined about like eating really healthy um but also one thing that i think not all runners realize is weightlifting is actually pretty good um so i think getting like some a lifting plan like specific for runners would be kind of next level i guess
0: Perfect. Actually, that that seems to be missing from his repertoire. So I think that that'll be the next. Uh, that'll be the next move. Yeah. Some, so some
1: people ignore it, or some like programs completely ignore it. But I think I was always in a program that did it. And when I was at my best, I was also like weightlifting at my peak too.
0: Question: When you were getting ready to become a math teacher, what, 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 how was it able, I mean, so you had mastery of the actual math, but it's another thing to actually get other people to see the math and be successful at it. Mm-hmm. When you're a teacher, what were some of your best kind of, uh, insights about how to, to flip that around? And because like you had the, the aptitude for it, but then how, how did mm-hmm. you, Uh, able to kind of see some of the ways to kind of maybe have a creativity to have your potential students at this stage um, uh, be successful as well?
1: Yeah, I think that one thing that really helped was I always tutored math classes, like all through college um, before I started teaching. And it's actually been a while because I've been outing out of the teacher game for a few years. But um, I, I think that that actually really helped me realize we all think very differently. Um, And yeah, just talking one-on-one with a whole bunch of different people and different students. Like at one point I even tutored uh, someone who was like way older than me and like going back to school and she had kids my age. And just thinking about like all the different people who I went one-on-one like to really learn how they thought about the process and fit everything for individuals. I think that was what helped me um, when I did start teaching.
0: What was your student teaching experience like?
1: Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, I think uh, I mentioned that Taylor University is kind of in like a rural place in Indiana. It was so different than like we go. <laughs> so um, I did student teaching at a high school first and then afterwards at a middle school for the second half of the semester. Um, so it was, yeah, really interesting to see how different um, there are just different experiences like where you are in the country. And um, I think that was maybe my favorite part was just like getting to meet people and yeah, open up my like perspective on what different schools are like through that experience. Um, And then I really went into it thinking that I wanted to be a high school math teacher. I actually had like really great students in the middle school and I was before that, like so opposed to middle school and they really like changed my mind about middle schoolers, I think.
0: So then you you graduated from uh, from from the university. What was the next step after you for that?
1: Yeah, so um, senior year was when all of the education majors around me, we were all like applying for jobs and it was still like very specific timing to when teachers get hired. So um, I actually knew like, earlier than some people before graduation that I was going to be teaching at a school in Indianapolis, um, after graduation. And then, uh, from there, once the school year started, it was, um, yeah, it was just an interesting experience, like going from student teaching to then having my own classroom where I really was able to like make it my own and things like that. I also coached cross country that year of teaching, um, which was a fun experience. And then um, that was the only year that I taught. I actually went it through a career transition after that, um, after kind of learning more about the side of mathematics I wanted to use to apply to my job and um, seeing that finance was a route where I could take that, that way of thinking that mathematically minded people have, um, just really like logical and crunching numbers and um, put it to a whole different perspective than what I had seen before.
0: What was the first kind of bridge to that uh, interest there? Because you go from the realm of education. (laughs) What was the first kind of uh, branching out towards that, that you're like, hey, what's this thing over here? And then you kind of really leaned into that. What was that? uh, What was the uh, incident that led to that?
1: Yeah, I think there were two things. One was when I was still a student at Taylor University, there was a personal finance, like, I guess it wasn't really a class, it was more like an extracurricular club that I, I joined one year, and went through the whole, like, sequence of learning, um, really found it interesting. And then the next year, I actually led a a group and um, kind of went through the curriculum as the leader. And so learning all that personal finance and then um, being able to like teach it back to someone else that um, really showed me that I liked all of the um, you know like ways of thinking about it that went behind it. So that was one experience. And then the second was, I think just taking over um, my own personal finances after graduating when, Uh, money is tighter, like slim budgets, and you're figuring out how to live without the help of your parents for the first time. I think I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I can do math. So it should be, I should be good at this. And I just kind of challenged myself to figure out finances that way. And I actually, um, through those two things, kind of learned that I liked it and um, thought, you know, maybe since I knew at some point I didn't want to keep teaching another year, Um, maybe that was something I wanted to pursue. So those were kind of two things that pushed me in that direction.
0: So how did you, what was your first uh, interview or job application? How did you, like, what was the, how did you uh, uh, find it?
1: Yeah, so um, the first job that I had in finance was at a startup. And so what was cool about that is it was an opportunity for me to try Something in a completely different field, and then also get to um, do a lot of different like activities or tasks that sometimes wouldn't even fall under the the finance person's role. But at this startup, um, I was given an opportunity to join, and uh, my first task was to like clean up their books, like the accounting books. And so I just dove right right into that uh, task, and from there learned a lot about. Um, accounting principles and things like that and realized that that was something that I could keep going with and to grow from there. Um, and I, yeah, just like took some like free online courses and things like that. So that's what got me in. That was the first job that I had.
0: So that's, it's interesting. So you're, you're starting at, at a startup and you said like, you kind of have to be a, a jack of all trades to kind of be able to do so many different uh, tasks that are there. So when you're diving in and you said you're kind of like looking at the books and all that. So you said that you had to learn a little bit of accounting. You're, and, you know, I would imagine you also had to learn some new software as well. So like mm-hmm. there must have been a lot of sponging of new information going on. I could see how that was uh, exhilarating. What was, what was the startup? What did they, uh, what was their focus and what did they do?
1: Yeah. So it was a biotech startup and it had spun out of a lab at a university and then, um, they had a lot of grant funding come in. So that was when I became their finance and grants manager. And I was, um, basically in charge of, um, managing all of the budgeting and reporting to the different grant funders. And these were like government organizations who, um, who fund projects and research and development. So this being a biotech startup was um, producing a diagnostic device for use in low resource settings. And then it was actually very timely when I joined was right before the COVID pandemic hit. And so then diagnostics suddenly became very important and, um, it became important for the government to keep um, kind of investing in these early stage startups. So it was a good time for for all of that to kind of happen at the same time. I was making a career transition.
0: So yeah, clearly in, uh, in demand. And and so with with being in charge of the allocation of funds of grants, is there a certain type of extra layer of scrutiny that it, that has to go into that because you have mm-hmm. to make sure that it's being spent in the most ethical and or legal way because it has it's a grant from the government as well is it what what is what how is that is that different from other grants or are do they all fall under underneath uh, similar types of um uh, policies and in, in, in such a way?
1: Yeah, yeah so there definitely are um layers of like Detail that need um, and things that need to be followed because there are so many restrictions on how the funds can be spent and um, only a certain amount of of adjustments you can make to the budget that was set you know before the grant even started. So um, there were a lot of of lines that couldn't be crossed, and every grant funder is a little bit different as far as like what the restrictions are. Um, so. For example, a grant funder from Europe was very, very strict, and then um, some of the like national organizations from the U.S. had um, kind of different rules or different um, different allowances for for how high how you can go above the budget in one category, like um, for general and administrative expenses, if you needed to like increase that one, could you de- decrease another category? Things like that were very detailed as far as, um, uh, it really depended on like who the funder was. Did that make it
0: easier because there was such, um, st- you know, standards and, you know, and, and obvious boundaries for that? Or did it feel like, um, there was a steep learning curve for you to kind of figure out how to manage all of these things?
1: Yeah, um, I would say it's not easy to align always what what was written in the budget at one point of, in time with an ever-changing kind of um, roadmap with a startup. I think that was actually a pretty big challenge, like staying within the lines when it was also important to be flexible, like that's huge in a startup to be able to, to pivot or, um, to be able to have flexibility. But then, um, at the same time, because of where the funding was coming from, it was, um, very important for me to keep everything, you know, ethical and aligned with, with what the money is intended for. So, um, that was definitely challenging. And, um, a lot of my role was communicating what was written in the grants to, um, to people who are really excited to push ideas out. So um, it was important to work together for sure.
0: Did you, you said that this was occurring right at the same time where um, uh, COVID was uh, was it hitting as well. Did that mean that you had to do your work remotely or was there still kind of a, a culture where you were able to kind of go into a, an office or a hub?
1: Yeah, so it, it was pretty much remote um, as soon as the pandemic hit. So um, I actually, was still in Indianapolis at the time that I started, and then as um, the year went on, and you know, COVID was going strong. by By the fall of that first year of COVID, so fall of 2020, um, there was an opportunity for me to actually move to the Bay Area, where um, the company was growing in the Bay, and um, I had moved out to the Bay Area so that I could be in person sometimes. And because we worked in a lab that was considered um, essential work, we actually did have opportunities to go in. Um, I was able to do pretty much most of my role remotely though. So it was very flexible for, for my role.
0: So, uh what was it like then to move uh, from the midwest uh, all the way to the to the bay area what what were some of the uh, cool things and challenges uh, about that process?
1: Yeah, so I think one thing that um I noticed as soon as I moved out here is um, this is definitely a kind of hub for where startups can thrive and i see see that in like a lot of the people I meet um when when I like talk to people out here who have moved here as well. There are so many people that are from anywhere in the United States or anywhere in the world, honestly. And they, um, end up in the Bay area because there's a huge startup culture and also huge tech culture. So, um, that was so different and it was more noticeable when I first moved out here, just the, um, number of young people that I met who were all pursuing like such crazy ideas sometimes. And, um, Those who were kind of working in more of a big tech, like everyone has a side hustle is kind of the thing that we say out here. Um, It seemed like everyone was always in the background working on some new idea.
0: So what's a typical day of work like for you?
1: Yeah, so now I am more in like the big uh, tech company side. So um, what I'm working in is very much more focused on one thing than at the startup when it was like, um, I guess the the cliche is at a startup you wear many hats. So one day there could be completely not what I was expecting to work on that day. Like things could just come up, or like opportunities to pursue would come up, or you get an email from a, a funder, like whether that was a grant funder or someone else, and then all of a sudden the rest of your day is just working on answering that email with a bunch of numbers and metrics. Um, so that was one side of. Um, working in finance for a startup. Now I am a financial analyst at a much bigger company that has like 37,000 employees and has been around for almost 25 years. And um, pretty much my my like schedule is just on a rotation every month. Like, all right, today we're forecasting revenue for next quarter, and then tomorrow we'll be reporting annual recurring revenue metrics and then you know the next day we're um re the next quarters you know like annual targets th- things like that like there are much more cyclical processes now um and not so many fires that that come up which is just the startup culture and pretty exciting
0: What's one of your favorite projects where you're like, you know what, I did that. Like, this is something that I had a idea, a suspicion that this was going to go this way. And you kind of anticipated what was one of your more like satisfying um, kind of uh, uh, challenges that you were able to kind of uh, kind of forecast yourself and, and kind of see it before it happened?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, some of the more, I guess... You know, exciting discoveries happen um, when I was working at the startup. And one thing that was um, a really great project that I was able to work on that was more than just finance was um, starting with market research on a new potential product. And it was related to testing for HIV in patients and um, going from the market research side, like literally making cold calls to people in the industry and like hearing a whole bunch of different perspectives about some of the current problems and um, things that could be improved within the healthcare industry in that area. And then taking that and actually building out a business model for a new product that was able to be reported to, um, to stakeholders and and see that actually get um, funded with a second round of grant funding. Um, that was an awesome project that I was able to, to look at from um, more of a business side of things and a marketing side of things, seeing if there was a market for a product and then being able to deliver a, a plan for basically executing on, um, on that new product.
0: That's fantastic. How long did that from seed of idea to then actually seeing it come to be? How long did that project last that that you that you that you just worked on?
1: Yeah, so I had picked up the project probably 2 years after it had initially started in like the laboratory, like the the idea being seeded and the technology being developed and then I was handed the um the kind of like business side of all right like we, we want to present this from the perspective of is there a market for this product if we continue to get funding to build it out from the engineering and biology side of things. So um, it, that was already two years in the making. And then I think the grant was up for renewal probably a year after I I had gotten started on the market research. So a year later, we found out that it was being... Uh, you know, refunded.
0: Oh, how exciting. You're describing something that seems so uh, uniquely interdisciplinary. I mean, you, you come from this with math, but then you had kind of a finance uh, kind of intrigue uh, that began all of this, but you're learning so much about accounting, business proposal, market research, and all that. Is there, is there a new layer that you might kind of pursue more in, uh, in your further studies uh, with this?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, all of that, like you mentioned, seeing all these different sides of things really pushed me to want to go and get another degree. So that is what like really launched me into this MBA program that I'm in now. And um, I think that one thing that excites me about what I might pursue in future studies is um, getting like a concentration in entrepreneurship and learning more about like building the new venture and taking courses um, and also maybe participating in some of the like extracurriculars that the MBA program offers like for example a a new venture challenge that goes on every year where the students can form a team and you have, you know, one leader who's the entrepreneur. It's like they're they're the idea person and um, leading the team on sometimes like not just an idea, but sometimes people have already actually started businesses and then they're gathering a team together to pitch this new venture idea and can even get like investment out of that that competition so it's a huge competition at uh chicago booth and something that i'm thinking you know maybe in the future i'll join a team and i'll be their finance person and um get to kind of relive that that early stage startup experience in a different way
0: how long does is the booth program going to be like when did Mm -hmm. you start and what's the what's the uh actual is is there a, a when you go into an mba program are there uh various is it just a categorical MBA or are there different types of, of fields within an MBA uh, uh, degree?
1: Yeah. So um, I just started, like, this is my first quarter in it. I started uh, a couple months ago and I have finals coming up soon. So um, oh, well, I'm thank very you for, for giving me
0: the, the hour for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so it's, I'm new at this. It's a program that takes, Typically around three, three and a half years, although we actually have up to five to finish it Um, because everyone in my part time program, we're all working full time while we do this. So it takes a little bit longer. But um, I think it's really cool because we learn something in class and then we can actually apply it at work um, the next week. So um, that that's kind of what's going on with that. It'll take a while. And then can you remind me what the last part of the question was?
0: Oh, is there a, is there like within the MBA is, do you have a a focus within it? So you're, you said you're in finance, but like, is it, will it be a concentration MBA finance or is there like another uh, niche within uh, the MBA program that you would, uh, that you'd go after?
1: Yeah, I got it. Um, So we, can get multiple concentrations, actually. Like for me, I know I'm pursuing a lot of the finance courses and um, course selection is very flexible too. So it's kind of like you choose your your path in the MBA as long as you hit the, um, the required courses at some point. So I'm definitely... Know, focusing on finance courses, but there are so many different routes that people take. Like one I mentioned that I'm also interested in is entrepreneurship. There's business strategy. Um, some people go very analytical and some people go for marketing or sales or things like that. So there um, are a lot of different Minds who are who are taking classes together, like people who think very differently, so that's another cool experience or cool part of the experience is that we're all not all concentrating on the same thing.
0: Like when you're not in your cohort for uh in in, in for your MBA program, uh, do you do other things that kind of stay sharp in the field? Like do you is there uh do you subscribe to various different? newsletters or read uh, different uh, publications or listen to podcasts that just kind of keep you uh, current with various different trends in your field?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, one like newsletter that I read every morning is called Morning Brew, and they also have different newsletters that are more uh, specific. So there's A new newsletter that I love that's called the CFO Morning Brew or the Money Scoop one, which is about personal finance. So those are ways that I definitely like to keep up with things. Um, I would say before I started school, I was also um, trying to get more into Twitter. And then I kind of stopped because it was just getting too time consuming with um, too many different social media sites. So I kind of just focused on, on the coursework after that.
0: I can Twitter can be overwhelming for, for sure. Uh, so uh, that's, that's, it's really, so where do you see yourself then maybe in five, 10 years?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I'll be finishing school in maybe three years. And then hopefully from there um, be able to move up from financial analysts to kind of some of the more um, uh, higher up roles, like uh, with the title of manager in them or, you know, um, maybe go into a new field or um, support some sort of a different type of company other than tech or biotech. So these are things that I'm kind of thinking about and five years feels like a long time away. So it's like, uh, I'm very open to, to seeing where this um, journey of like meeting a bunch of new people in my MBA program and like a bunch of new people in the Bay Area, like seeing where that will take me. Um, I think that in the past couple of years, I've learned that there's a lot that I don't know about um, what goes on in like the different industries. So uh, I'm ready to like explore those for sure. And hopefully, yeah, just keep moving into into roles that are exciting and impactful and let me, you know, use leadership skills and things like that down the road.
0: Does your does your job allow you to do any uh, travel?
1: Uh, so right now, the the role I'm in really doesn't have any um, need for travel, although I would love to. But what's great about um, this kind of remote work hybrid environment that we have right now is that since I'm traveling between the Bay Area and Chicago where I go to school, I can work from anywhere. So I can work from home, work from the office in the Bay Area or work from Chicago. So those are all nice things. I work from West Chicago sometimes because um, family still lives there.
0: That's great. How often, so how often does, uh, does class bring you back to Chicago then?
1: So I actually go for every single weekend during the quarter. Um, So I'm on like a Friday night red eye and then usually coming back to California on Sunday. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, so that's why I don't really have time for anything else. Like you said like, oh, what do you read? I'm like my textbook, like that's pretty much it. (laughs)
0: That's, That's impressive, wow, wow. That's uh, I'm uh, I, if I if I have to do one more errand uh after school just to to come home I need a nap. So the idea that yeah. you're doing all that it's uh, it's incredible. It's so neat. It's so it's, it's actually on campus so you're going down to Hyde Park.
1: Uh so there's actually a different campus for the uh part-time MBA students and it's right in the center of downtown like It's in Streeterville neighborhood, and it's right on the Riverwalk in Chicago, pretty close to Navy Pier. So we're like in a great location. Um, So it's been really cool being able to have more of the city experience. Uh, How many are in your cohort? Uh, So we have 111 that just started this fall for the cohort.
0: is there like a, a really good book that you would recommend to a high school student that is like interested in getting into finance or just kind of gives them a sense of like what this career is like? Uh, what would you suggest?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that for me, what was kind of more inspiring was, um, just listening to different podcasts and, um, Reading that newsletter that I mentioned, Morning Brew, um, those are very, like, up to date, like, very with the time. And I think that that was what got me excited about, like, jumping into a whole new industry. And then um, because I started at a startup, I think this is another kind of motivator was just reading about all of the new technology and innovation that's happening, like, Right now, I think that that's what really got me excited to want to be a part of it and to uh, pursue a role where I can make a difference in a business, especially one that was like up and coming. So those are um, are my recommendations is like podcasts that kind of pop up about like um, the newest things or like listening to entrepreneurs tell their story of how they got into something. Um, those were, were inspiring to me.
0: That's, that's, that's just so cool. So uh, last question, what tips for success would you leave current Wildcats?
1: Yeah. So for that question, I think uh, I'm thinking back to when I was at Wego as a high schooler, I was pretty reserved, I think in high school. And one thing that I have tried to do every time that I've started something new, like first going to college, and then after that, um, starting my first job, every time that I make a transition like that, I try to kind of reinvent myself a little bit, I guess, and give myself a little bit more confidence, like this is a fresh start. And um, by reinvent myself, what I mean is I try to take one step closer to the person I want to be instead of the person that I think everyone thinks I am, who I've known before.
0: That was so well said. I, I love that. That was great. Well, Michelle, this was great. And thank you so much. And best of luck finishing up your program and all the exciting things that, you are, uh, that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for your time.
0: Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search Wego Vox. That's Wego V O X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at Wego Places Podcast or on Twitter at Wego Places.